Coming up this hour, Ian and I are going to talk about our own feelings right now with the coronavirus, both at home and the church. And we're going to do this together, encouraging one another uh, to keep going. That's coming up next year on The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. I'm glad to have you joining us on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope you are having a good day. Social distancing from people. You're probably e-learning if you've got some kids in your house. And uh, lots of words that we didn't know only a week or two ago. And uh, yeah, things continue to be different, but we are glad that you're joining us. Reminder, you can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find us online at 1160hope.com. And as always, find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. And uh, we are grateful for those listening on the radio, also those listening via podcast. Uh, Ian, how is the Simpkins house doing on day, I don't know, is this day three of uh, mostly of time. I, yeah. I don't. I don't even know what day it is anymore. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're doing pretty good. It is, um, you know, a lot of people saying adjusting to the new normal and uh, I'm doing a lot of my meetings and work uh, in the basement, which feels strange. Yeah. Part of me, I, I really love the chance to be able to poke upstairs and, and just like hug my boys or spend a little bit of time playing with them. Yeah. Probably feeling it though. Like I have a one and two year old and they're definitely feeling the cabin fever, anxiety. Like there's, there's just a weird kind of tension. I do got to give it up for my wife though. She, she has been killing it and she's brainstorming different ways to keep them engaged. They're not really old enough for like curriculum or anything, right? But they still get really bored. So yeah. she, she's done an amazing job of sort of thinking through how do we best care for them and keep them moving while also taking necessary precautions. And just in my opinion, she's just got a perfect blend of all of those things. So my hat's off to her. I think she's, yeah. she's doing an amazing job. Yeah, my kids are on day two of e-learning, and uh, <clears throat> it's just interesting to watch them. They're doing uh, their assignments, and you see them all separated, and, and it's good to give them something to do. Uh, wasn't a big fan of the rain today. We could really use 65 degrees and sunny outside right now. That would uh, help, yeah. That really would. Uh, but here's what I did. I did use the opportunity the last night after the e-learning was done. We were eating dinner as a family. Uh, everybody wanted to watch a movie and dad put his foot down and said, I'm choosing the movie tonight. And you know what I introduced my children to Uh, Rocky one. Oh, wow. I introduced them to, did they they like it? So, uh, my son did, uh, I forgot, you know what you forget? You forget how in the late seventies, like a different time, how much slower movies are. Oh yeah. And so, uh, Rocky one was, I thought there'd be a lot with like his first fight with Apollo Creed, which is how it ends, but it's slow. And so they enjoyed it, but I'm not sure. I think a couple of times they mocked it. Uh, but Oh, believe me, my son and I tonight, and maybe one of my daughters said she'd be up for it. We are going to, uh, take in Rocky two and I'm going to get them all for them. So, uh, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to put this to good use. <laughs> I mean, I do got to say, I remember my dad doing that with us and initially really not being into it. Like one of the ones that stands out to me is when we finally watched uh, cool hand Luke. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I remember, you know, when he was, and it was the same kind of thing. He's like, I'm not asking, I'm telling we're watching cool hand Luke. And for the first couple of minutes, you know, you're doing the teenage thing like, Oh, I don't want, and then you're like really into it. And, 
now in my 30s, it's like one of my favorite movies. So I think that there's some, yeah, there's some uh, fatherly pastoral wisdom there. And like, hey, sometimes you can watch a slower paced movie and sometimes yep. cultures do change. And there's a lot that we could learn from uh, Sly. I think there's a, <laughs> I don't think I'd ever think I'd say those words before in my life. There were some uncomfortable, um, th- nothing bad, but there are some things that were more acceptable in the late 70s that aren't as acceptable now that my kids didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. <laughs> where my wife and I looked at each other a couple of times. Uh, yeah, that, that we were like, okay, yep, we're just going to let that one fly. <laughs> and nothing bad, but just a little comfortable. So I think Rocky Two possibly at the Fromm House tonight. Nice. And, uh, we're excited about that. Let me ask you this. Okay. Uh, just thought we would start the show by checking in with each other. What's your level uh, for you or for your wife? What's your level of anxiety right now? How are you just even feeling personally? Because you and I have spent a lot of time talking about how our culture is doing this. That I'm wondering how you personally are doing uh, anxiety-wise around all that's going on right now. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I think typically in a normal environment, I tend to be a little too Hakuna Matata, like yeah. probably should feel more stressed in certain circumstances and situations. I have found myself being a little surprised at the level of anxiety that I'm feeling, not debilitating at all. And my yeah. wife and I are making sure that, you know, the weird checking in and, you know, getting the kids down to sleep is like this beautiful moment of respite where we can just sort of be together. But there's, there's certainly, um, a slightly elevated piece, but also I think coupled with this sense of like, okay, how do we lead well in the midst of this? How do we keep good information out in front of our church? How do we strategize ways to keep people like you mentioned earlier, social distancing? I think it's, I think we should be calling it physical distancing because we still need to connect socially. And I think a lot of people, especially (laughs) extroverts listening right now, they're feeling that for sure. I, I think it's so important that we're being extra mindful about connecting in meaningful ways with people. And I think the more intentional I am with that, the better my stress and anxiety is. Yeah. Um, but if I'm not doing that though, or I'm just buried in work or tasks, that, that's ten- that tends to be when I feel the stress most intensely, I think. Yeah. I think for me, uh, I tend to be a much more anxious person than you, hmm. but I also think, um, you know what is really added for the first time in my life to some anxiety is social media. Like you and I talk about it a lot, but uh, there was a fun, somewhat of a funny meme going around about how all my friends somehow now are, uh, you know, like uh, uh, infectious disease experts, but reading all the stories and reading all of like the doomsday predictions, I find myself being like, Oh my gosh, what's happening. And every now and then myself, Hey, just put your phone down for a little bit. Like let's go, go for a walk or play with the kids. Like, we're doing everything we can do <laughs> like right now yeah. as a family, let's keep doing it and, uh, and just, uh, you know, be together. And so I found that a little bit. Uh, that's why it's fun to like watch a movie like Rocky one last night to just kind of put the phone away. Um, because like you said too, uh, for our churches, like things just feel so different. I was telling you before we went on air that I, I had a moment today where I have a lot of work to do, but I was like, I don't know what to do right now because my normal rhythm is so different. It's just, it's really disconcerting and a little discombobulating at the moment. I I think probably a lot of people are feeling that. Uh, I was putting together a kind of online prayer devotional thing that we'll be launching in the next couple of days. And it's all centered around passages uh, regarding like fear and worry and anxiety. 
And I, I'm excited because, you know, our different staff members are going to be creating short videos to post these reflections online. But even in sort of preparing that, I'm like reading these passages, these scriptures about, about fear and worry and anxiety. And like two things stood out to me. One, there's a lot of passages about how to deal with these things. Like yeah. that to me is at the very least comforting to know like, oh, this isn't a, a new thing, fear and anxiety and worry. But also, you know, and we mentioned this earlier in the week, how many times these invitations to not worry are coupled with the promise of God's presence. That's right. And, and that to me is so life-giving, not necessarily that like things will magically always get better or go the way that we plan, but God promises to be with us in the midst of our heartache or confusion yes. or fear. And uh, I don't know, even the, the very fact that I realize this is unique because we're pastors, but the fact that I was spending time preparing that yesterday, like I feel like it ministered to me too. And uh, mm. that was, that was really refreshing. Yeah, so we wanted to start this show just by talking about where we are at, because I'm guessing the way we're feeling is a lot of the way you're feeling out there. So feel free to share with us on Facebook. Uh, we'd love to hear how you are doing. Well, coming up next, an article out of Missio Alliance entitled Faithful Presence During a Pandemic. We're going to talk about that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. Glad you're joining us on this Wednesday afternoon. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk, and you can get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, thank you for those of you who do this. We know that times are strange right now. And we're glad that uh, we could be together as the common good community here. Hopefully, the next uh, couple hour, the next hour or two that we're together provides you a little bit of a respite, some things to think about, hopefully, some encouragement as we all kind of walk this pathway together uh, with all that's going on, the, the, the change in life around the coronavirus right now. Well, with that in mind, at Missio Alliance, David Fitch, somebody who we've read and quoted a lot on this show. Uh, wrote an article called The Potential of Faithful Presence During a Pandemic. What's going on with this article? Now, David Fitch, is a, he's a writer. He's a professor. He actually wrote a book called Faithful Presence, which is really good. Mm. Uh, he also recently wrote another book called Us Versus Them. He just, he's really prolific. I feel like he's got his finger on the pulse of culture in, in ways that not a lot of people are. Um, he wrote an article a couple of days ago, and you were mentioning off-air how odd it is that even articles like this that are just 48 hours old yeah. already start to feel out of date almost like mm -hmm. things are changing so rapidly and there's new yeah. uh, requirements and new recommendations. And that's, we could probably spend a whole show just talking about how to even keep up with all of that. Yeah. But he talks a lot about this idea of faithful presence and what does it mean to actually, particularly in this age of now everything's sort of have to go on digital. Um, how can we be present in the midst of all that chaos? He shares a story. He says, recently I had a conversation with a member of our house group. We have two very vulnerable members who really must be protected from this virus at all costs. We wondered if we could still meet because social connection and encouragement are essential to everyone's health and even immune system. If maybe we had the children who find it hard to be as disciplined in areas of personal hygiene, meet in a separate area, if we clean the services, washed hands, kept a safe distance, wouldn't this be safe for everybody? We wondered if meeting outside around a fire pit in someone's backyard would solve some of the safety issues. We acknowledge that perhaps in the end, we all might have to do a Zoom meeting, Facebook chat, or find some other way of sharing life virtually around our tables. This will take organization. 
and the freedom for everyone to opt out per their best judgment, but the potential of gatherings would still be well worth it. So he, he's kind of sharing what I think a lot of us are probably feeling, especially Absolutely. churches right now that are, you know, scrambling to strategize and think through some digital, some digital ways forward. Um, but here's what, I, here's what I like what he says. He says, uh, what happens in these small gatherings that make them so essential to the body of Christ? Well, we eat together, we drink together, even if it's online, even if it's only a snack, our church believes something special happens when we eat and or drink together. Jesus becomes spatially present at a meal. And this table has a leveling effect like none other. We all become present to one another and to his presence. No one usurps another. We calm ourselves. We listen. We share. We just, a li- with just a little leadership, we are able to to process life in this place, to work out what things look like when Jesus is at work by his spirit. We can yield to one another, submit to the spirit. And most of all, we can pray and be healed. Mm-hmm. So I love that vision. And I know that house groups, house churches, house gatherings like this are not new, but I'm wondering just simply based on what he's described there, um, what level of receptivity do you think people have to something like that? Yeah, I think there's high receptivity to it in in concept, as in like we want to be with people. Uh, I think we're all um, uh, not we're all, most of us are starting to starve for human interaction uh, outside of our families, right. and there is a power to this. I'll be honest. When I first read this article, I am in such a mindset right now of not being around anybody, right? Uh, that that it's not very compelling for me to be like, hey, there's you know, just as long as it's less than ten, and they give great. Um, uh, he gives great leadership in this about nobody who's sick can be there, disinfecting before and after, washing hands regularly, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but what I do love about this concept is like my community group, we call them community groups, my community group or small group. Um, we haven't talked about this, but like even if we're not going to meet together, like if we're all like, no, I don't want to do that. That doesn't seem safe. Uh, finding another way to be together, whether it be over Zoom or a text thread or whatever else it might be to still make those connections, I think is really important. And he goes on to say, you know, this is a wake up call for a lot of us where the church has just become about Sunday morning. And uh, he's saying like, regardless of if you get together physically or if you're going to do it over, you know, some sort of uh, um, uh, format like zoom or something that, that it reminds us that the people are the church and that we need to keep connecting with one another. Um, I think is really important. What about you? Would you do what he's talking about and still get together in a small group physically? Or are you more like, no, let's think of other ways to go about this. Well, and, and not to brag on our church, but we've been thinking through digital small groups uh, a ton, even over the last couple of years, even, but especially the last week. And uh, you can, in fact, you can go to communityonline.tv and uh, there's a bunch of information about not only our digital Sunday services, but joining digital groups and yep. digital resources for our students, as well as a place for prayer requests. So we're actually doing a lot with Zoom right now, but we're encouraging small group leaders keep using Facebook Live or Google Hangout or Skype mm-hmm. or Zoom, um, because I think those, yeah, like you were saying, that that connection piece is so easy to lose in the midst of all of this chaos. And and I think it, it is really important to, to lead with confidence that um, man, it's okay to be fearful or to have doubts or questions, but we also still need each other, right? Like Absolutely. I think, I think it was Mother Teresa who said, "If we don't have any peace, it's because we've forgotten that we belong to one another." And I and I always found that mm. sentiment so beautiful because, you know, we're seeing a lot of this with the hoarding that we're finding in grocery stores, yeah. and there's yeah. a lot of reflections of people not 
seeing um, the shared connectedness we have, but there are a lot of people that, that are, that are kind of waking up to it. I saw something about Target uh, opening their doors uh, for the first hour just for some, right. of our, uh, some of our elderly citizens. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful expression of like, okay, we, we belong to each other. We got we to gotta start paying attention to these things. Yep, absolutely. He closes his article by saying, when we do gather again in our large gatherings, maybe in two or three months, I hope we will have much to celebrate. For now, let us pastors turn to the task of cultivating this kingdom life in small local gatherings of our churches. Uh, in the coming three to six months, may we have a depth of life with God we never could have imagined prior to this crisis. May there be a new vibrant witness to the gospel that Jesus Christ is Lord and healer. May it be so. Come, Lord Jesus. I love how he ends that. Regardless of how we're going to gather, I think there's two interesting points there. One is, what will our churches? Like, I, I haven't even given much thought to, like, how is the next couple of weeks or months going to change the fabric of our church when life goes back? I'm using air quotes to normal, right? Mm. And, uh, and then just this uh, vibrant witness to the gospel when people are scared and what will that look like? I think those are some interesting questions that we don't know the answer to at the moment. Which I think is a great point. Keep asking questions. Keep leaning in. Um, I'll speak even as a pastor. If you're listening and you have ideas or thoughts, you feel like God's laid something on your heart, like please reach out to your leadership. You know, I think there's in some yeah. ways some of the uh, antiquated models of leadership are sort of like I'm going to go to the mountaintop, get a plan, and I'll come yep. back down. I think we're seeing right now, like man, we are we are better together. If you have an idea, you see an article, or share a thought, like let's. Let's be better at strategizing together. You can use our Facebook page to do that. You can message us, post on there. Yep. We would even love to use this platform as best as we possibly can, uh, not only to uh, make God known, but to also be a resource for each other. And uh, we would love to be that for whoever needs that. Absolutely. Like I saw somebody post the other day, hey, be praying for your pastors because none of us took a class in graduate school on how to pastor through a pandemic. Right. And so we're open to ideas, I think is a good point there. And open, like, let's be the body of Christ. I think that's great. Coming up next, we're going to continue this conversation and uh, talk about two articles, one at a relevant magazine, one at a Patheos. That's coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We're keeping a little bit of social distance from each other. And uh, I do like what you said early on about calling it physical distance, right? Like, keep it, we got microphones between us and all sorts of other things. So, yeah, I, don't, um, I don't know if that is uh, helpful or not. It was just something that I saw a couple people commenting like, hey, we still very much need social connection. We need yeah. physical distance right now, but the, I don't know, that's probably parsing hairs or splitting hairs, parsing Spl- words. Splitting hair and parsing words. Yes. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> well, good night, you everybody. Just parsed hairs. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. Well, that's so meta, Brian. I just did what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Mind blown. <laughs> that's uh, an that's, uh That is uh, outstanding right there. Well, Uh, As we've been talking about, and as is dominating not just our show, but every news program, every talk show, everything right now, is just the change in life around around the coronavirus and, you know, uh, staying home, all these things being canceled, but Ian and I both being pastors trying to navigate what's it like to never 
really physically be with our churches? Right. Uh, what, how does the church continue to be the church uh, in this time? And uh, I would, before jumping into some more of that talk, I would want to uh, tell anybody out there, and I know, Ian, you had some thoughts about this. I would want to say to anybody out there uh, in the restaurant business, in the entertainment business, in the business that really uh, uh, kind of sinks or swims based on people yeah. and who are running into such hard times right now, I want to encourage our people to continue doing what you can to, to support those people, whether it be you know, picking up your meals there through the drive-in, you know, curbside, buying gift cards, whatever you can do. But we also want to tell people out there who fall under that category, who no doubt are scared right now that we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. If you want to post ways that we can help, please do that on our Facebook page. I know you had some thoughts about that, man. Yeah. Have you ever done a, like a seafood boil before? Do you know what that nope. is? I You've do never not. done it? Do you like nope. seafood? I do not. So. Oh my goodness. All right. So a seafood boil is like the most incredible experience. It's a bunch of delicious food and it's cooked like in a plastic bag. I don't know that it's cooked in a bag, but it's like delivered in a bag and it's just okay. all, it's such a cool experience and it is delicious. And our friends started a restaurant in Batavia called Krabby Boil. You can go to crabbyboil.com to learn more. And uh, they've been open, I guess maybe a couple of years now. And it's honestly, I think the best seafood I've ever had. Is that right? At anywhere. Yeah. So they're, um, they're a part of our family. They're a part of our church. And, uh, they, I was just talking with, uh, one of the owners today and, sh and she was saying how we, we are hyper sanitizing everything right now, even the pen that you like sign the receipt with, but, mm. um, they're like every local restaurant and local business, they're, they're in need of support. And so I, I wanted to kind of do my part, uh, and encourage you, you can check out Krabby Boil. That's C R A B B Y boil.com and you go to the website and the address is there and all the, uh, the menu stuff. And, um, they're doing, I mean, full operating hours still just for pickup. So they're closed on Mondays, but Tuesday through Sunday, like, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty amazing, it's amazing restaurant, amazing, amazing people with amazing heart yeah. for the community. Uh, I can't encourage you enough to head on out and support them. Yeah, I know there's a lot of fear that we're all feeling. You start to see the government come out today and start throwing numbers around like 20% unemployment. Yeah, and right. It's terrifying. And uh, there's going to be particular industries that are, that are uniquely hit in this. And uh, some things, we can't do anything about that. But in other ways, there are ways if we're creative, you can help. And so uh, now's the time to support, especially those local businesses, people you know, and uh, kind of uh, be the community together. Absolutely. Uh, at Relevant Magazine, another article here that just says navigating a COVID-19 world. And uh, the first half of this article is all about uh, this person is a, just an avid sports fan and a coach and how this has just changed everything. And later on in the article, let me read what this author wrote. When I created uh, my podcast, oh, hold on, I want to go a little higher here. Truthfully, he writes, I've had trouble sleeping some nights since this all happened. And one of the things I find myself having to remember is this, man, this is really happening. Aside from the September 11th terrorist attacks, this is the single most significant historical event of my lifetime especially when you think about the impact this has on our everyday lives. Uh, so many of our systems that were in place that we often take for granted are now canceled or closed. But this is a unique opportunity for us to really slow our lives down. When horrible things like this happen to loved ones or society as a whole, we often turn to things like sports or entertainment to distract us. 
even with 9-11, within days, the MLB season resumed, and it was a chance for people to unify and get our minds off of what just happened. We don't have that opportunity now for the most part, and maybe that's a good thing, this author writes. It's a chance to recalibrate where we place our identity and where we find our joy. For me, that's in Jesus. That's my hope for you, too. Wondering your thoughts about this author's take a little bit about using this uh, this uh, huge cultural moment as an opportunity to slow down and recalibrate. I think recalibrate is exactly the right word. It feels like, in some ways, a realignment. And I, and I want to be really careful to say, I don't in any way think God caused this as a way. I want to be like, careful about that too. Yeah, right. He's not bringing us to himself through this, so he like you know infected the world. Not at all. That that to me is is terrible theology. But I think it's a really really important time for us to kind of recalibrate. I've, I've been seeing a lot of people tweet and post things like, "Man, oh man, a shift like this could potentially shift our hearts in a way that has eternal impact." You know, so sort of prayerfully and kind of part of my prayer is don't just do what you normally would do Ian with the same pace and the same obsessions and the same, you know what I mean? Like this, use this opportunity and and maybe you, you know, you're listening, you've not even had a moment to breathe yet. Like take a moment to breathe, like step Mm. back, observe what's happening, prayerfully ask God, what is it that you want me to learn or grow in, in this season? And I think, I think asking those questions frequently and intentionally uh, is going to be really, really important going forward to make sure that we're we're actually listening listening to the voice of God and not just at least for me going right into like problem solving mode. That's where I jump to almost instinctually before Absolutely. you know what I mean. Like it just all right. I got to go do something, and there's a lot that needs to be done, obviously. But what, why don't we all just take a collective breath and sort of lean in? I think, man, we'll look back on this moment a year from now. I think as a a massive realignment, recalibration to the heart of God in a way that. Honestly, I think it's going to be more powerful than any of us realize. Yeah, he goes on to write, again, just be. Be with God, with your spouse, with your family. No sports on now means instead of being glued to the TV, I can give my wife more time, uh, time she should have gotten all along. And so he goes on, uh, with a couple minutes we have left here, as a pastor, if someone said to you, hey, I really like that, what's it even mean to be with God? How, How would you answer that question? Yeah, the nice thing about the internet is that uh, there's a lot that we can look up, particularly in the way that like the early desert mothers and fathers, the mystics, you know, we've talked about Lectio Divina before. Lectio Divina just simply means divine reading. Like it's a way of just simply being in the word. Uh, Our friend Chris Lash was on the show last week talking about this guided prayer project that he's launched. I encourage you to check that out. Um, There's a lot of resources about how do we actually like slow our minds. You know, you've mentioned even earlier that you used to get kind of spooked by words like meditation and now you've come to understand they're actually really central spiritual practices. That's right. So pay attention to your breathing. Um, I, I, I encourage people to do things like start your day with a gratitude journal. I think how you start your day has an incredible effect in the trajectory of the rest of your day. And the really simple things that, you know, people I think will be surprised to learn that it's, it, it's not all as spooky as some people make it out to sound. Yeah. And uh, I, I think even honestly Googling, what are some practical ways to be with God? Uh, I found to be incredibly helpful. That's awesome. So we'd encourage you to read this article. It's up on our Facebook page out of Relevant Magazine. And it just gives some great um, tips of what, again, God didn't cause this so that we will slow down, but it is an opportunity, as Ian said, to recalibrate. Yeah. And uh, I, let's not miss 
this opportunity. Coming up next, we're going to talk about two tweets that I saw that I found uh, really encouraging in this crazy time. That's coming up next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my my name is Brian Fromm. I can talk for a living. Uh, (laughs) Glad you are with us on this Wednesday afternoon. And uh, remember where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. That's the Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Uh, You can find us online at 1160hope.com. And as always, get our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, We know that helps us somehow. And so uh, we are grateful for those of you who do that. Uh, Speaking of Twitter, I want to look at two tweets that I saw that were uh, particularly encouraging and got me thinking today. But before we do that, Ian's got some words about one of our sponsors, Thrivent. I sure do. Thrivent Financial. Uh, I love these guys. I'm a Thrivent member, so no shame there. But uh, they are a Fortune 500 company that's been working with clients for like over a century. And um, the thing that I appreciate about them is it's not just like an insurance and financial services organization. Uh, They do it all through like the central engine of faith. And so what's fascinating to me is how difficult that it often is to have that faith and finances discussion. And they're, in my mind, just the best in the world Mm -hmm. at it. So I know people listening, you might be considering a career change of some kind. Um, maybe you're entrepreneurial, maybe you're good with money. Maybe you just like coming alongside and helping other people. E- either way, I would encourage you to get, go to thrivent.com slash careers. That's thrivent.com slash careers. And uh, maybe you can become your own boss. It's a great organization. And I highly recommend that you at least go and just check it out. Absolutely. Everyone that I know that's ever dealt with Thrivent only has great things to say. So we'd encourage you to go uh, check them out. I mean, uh, legitimately, that's how it is. Every person oh, yeah. I've ever met. Absolutely. It's, it's 100% the truth and not just saying that because they're they a part of the show. It is, uh, in fact, I think you and I would say that we don't like having people be a part of the show that we don't believe in. And so uh, to have someone like Thrivent is, uh, is an encouragement for us because we can go, yep, we believe in these guys, so go for it. Yeah. Um, so Christine Kane, a lot of people know, you will know of her, uh, does a lot of speaking. I believe Christine Kane uh, tied to Hillsong, is that right? I think. Yeah, that sounds right. I think I'm right about that. Uh, (laughs) She wrote a tweet yesterday uh, that was uh, really, and I found to be uh, challenging and an encouragement in this time. So kind of as we think about uh, a lot of our show has basically been like, how are we processing the change of life right now? This kind of monumental change we're all going through. And with that in mind, Christine Kane wrote this. Let me read the tweet, and then I would love for you to uh, react to it. Okay. Uh, I love this first line. She says, uh, look for precedence in unprecedented times. Well, think about that again. Look for precedence in unprecedented times. Hmm. Here's a few. God is always faithful, Hebrews 10.23. God is with us, Joshua 1.9. God is for us, Romans 8.31. God is good. Psalm 119, verse 68. God does good. Also, Psalm 119, verse 68. God delivers. Psalm 34, verse 4. And God sustains. Psalm 54, verse 4. And lastly, she wrote, God hears. Psalm 66, verse 19. Look for precedence in unprecedented times. What do you think of that? I think that's that's a lot of pastoral wisdom right there. I've actually, it's weird because the word unprecedented, 
be, has become like the word of the time. You know how, um, like we'll sometimes joke, like when you think of the word torrential, what do you automatically think of? Rain. Uh, Yeah. Downpour. It's the only, it's the only time we ever use the word torrential. I, I see the word unprecedented all over the place right now. And I think it's a good word, but I think her wisdom to say, look for precedence in unprecedented times is that's good wisdom because it is easy to get knocked all off course and to be, you know, kind of like what the ACUF tweet is. And we'll get to that in a second talking about, you know, there's a difference between being informed and being obsessed. And some of us are consuming media from a thousand different voices at a million miles a minute. And understandably it's making us anxious or at the very least overwhelmed. Yep. And uh, I like sort of her patient. Like, here's what the word of God says is actually true about God. And that stuff that can seem elementary, but it's, it can be easy to forget, right? When you're panicked about not having enough toilet paper or your, right. your business is taking a hit or you haven't been able to see and hug loved ones in a long time, or you have an elderly family member. These are all, legitimate fears like please don't in any way hear me saying that that's not legitimate i i think that god knows that we're prone to worry about these things um and i think part of the wisdom of her tweet is like let's anchor ourselves again in who god says that he is let's start there and i think that's such an important starting point in absolutely and i love what she did there like she says, look for precedents in unprecedented times. And the question might be, where do I find those precedents? And she takes it. She goes, as Christ followers, what do we know about Jesus? What do we know about God? And she says, let's go back to scripture. What are the precedents that we can, uh, that firm foundation upon which we can anchor our lives? And uh, it doesn't, I, I love how you said it yesterday, right? It doesn't mean that the storms go away, uh, right. but, but it does mean that it gives us perspective that says, okay, uh, how do I not become overwhelmed? How do I keep going? And uh, this call, and you, you touched on the uh, John Acuff uh, tweet. Acuff, he's a New York Times bestseller and speaks a lot. Uh, and he wrote this, there's a thin line between informed and obsessed. It's different for each person, but when you find the constant stream of coronavirus information fueling your fear instead of equipping you with facts, Take a short break. I love that because I I admitted to you earlier that one of the things that's been causing me some anxiety and some angst is when I'm reading all these different things on Facebook or Twitter and I find it really overwhelming. And that is such a simple thing that he's saying, but one that I think could be a game changer for a lot of us. Like as you're overwhelmed, put the phone down, take a break, take a walk, do something. I really think that's helpful. Yeah, I think that's true in anything, right? We talk about that yes. even in normal times. I think there's a difficulty at times uh, to recognize that it's affecting us until it's until it's already kind of burying us. Or you know, a lot of us require like other people, other voices to kind of speak into like, hey, you seem extra anxious, yep. which is why I think it's extra important that we're mindful of this now because a lot of us are spending a lot less time with these other people that help us see some of our blind spots or can pick up on stuff that maybe we're not privy to like the wisdom of turning off the phone, closing the laptop, turning off the TV, just simply being, you don't even need to be doing anything. You don't need to be playing a board game or painting a Picasso or, (laughs) I mean, it doesn't have to be a two hour long Bible study, like be in the word, but like maybe it's just being, you know, I I think that now more than ever is really important that we're establishing some of those rhythms of just being present and like, letting God actually speak into the chaos. 
Yeah, because I use a good word there. It is feels absolutely chaotic. It feels yeah. like chaos right now. And I have found myself not putting, you know, at no point do I forget what's going on. Am I putting my head in the sand? But I joked about it a couple segments ago, watching a movie with my kids last night and intentionally putting my phone away through that entire movie. I came out of that movie, like not, I didn't go to a movie watching it at my house. I came out of watching that movie feeling like some sense of normalcy, you know? And then I, I read Twitter and I immediately was like back in the news and I do think that if, uh, if we don't look for those spots of normalcy and just take short breaks, when you feel yourself becoming overwhelmed, uh, we're, we're really going to struggle in the coming weeks and coming months. Because, I mean, not to, as I joked with my wife this morning, like this is just starting right now. Like we've got to get in a good rhythm. Yeah, and I think that's right. Rhythms are, I mean, even like in music, right? Rhythm is what determines the difference between music and mere noise. Like if mm-hmm. we're just on all the time, like if, you know, a band of five just played every note all the time, it'd just be, it'd be a wall of noise. And I think without rhythm, our, our brains, our souls, our hearts can feel like that wall of noise and like getting into, all right, I'm going to read now. And now I'm going to close the laptop and just simply be present. I think establishing those is really, really important. Absolutely. So I found those tweets helpful. We'll put them up on our Facebook page. I would encourage you to read those. Uh, Maybe share other things that you are finding helpful as well. Well, the first hours in the book uh, coming up next, we are going to continue this conversation uh, by looking at 20 prayers to pray during the pandemic. That's coming up next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for your life. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here. And I remember the first time that I actually learned about Thriving Financial. I was pastoring a church in Bartlett and me and two other pastors had this dream, this idea to better care for the marriages in our communities. And so we started to dream up this conference idea. What if we actually hosted a local conference to pour into marriages and couples in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our communities and Thriving Financial kind of came alongside and not only like made the conference possible, but they were actually interested in partnering with us as churches, as pastors, to help people not only be wise with money, but to live more generously, which was always a value that I had and always struggled to find organizations that actually wanted to help our churches do that. And so that's actually kind of the beginning of what's been a really beautiful journey and relationship with Thrive and to actually be wise with money, to live generously and to help other people do the same. And so if that interests you, I'd encourage you to go to Thrivent.com to learn more. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about 20 specific prayers we can pray in this pandemic. And then we're going to talk about last night's election and how might the coronavirus affect the upcoming election. You're listening to The Common Good. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this rainy Wednesday afternoon. And uh, as we've been saying, this is just a strange time that we're living in, and we hope that you're making the best of it. Uh, Enjoying being home with your families, probably. Hopefully, most of you are able to do that. We know some of you are not. Uh, A special shout-out if we've got any medical care workers out there listening. Thanks for all that you do, and uh, we want you to know that we appreciate you. But these are definitely strange times. I was just talking to my kids about what were we doing a week ago, and doesn't it feel, Ian, like a week ago when you look at your calendar and stuff, a week ago feels like 
five months ago at this point. It it is pretty odd actually how distant all of that feels at this point. Like it it's not just anecdotal. Like I was looking at, you know, even what I had on my schedule for this week yeah. and how quickly we canceled all of that and thinking like, gosh, that feels like a different life almost. It really, really does. And so uh, we are going to ride this out together and whatever that means. And so uh, we are glad to have you joining us. I thought we'd start this hour uh, with what I found to be a really encouraging and also challenging article out of Christianity Today entitled 20 Prayers to Pray During This Pandemic. Uh, This is written by Jen Pollock Michael, Michael, Michelle, one of those. Uh, And so she writes this. She says, in recent days, as COVID-19 has been declared a global pandemic and countries have taken urgent measures to stem the spread uh, of infection, I wish I could say that my first impulse has been to pray. It's probably more honest to say that I've obsessively refreshed my feeds. But this crisis is urgent and I feel powerless. But perhaps feeling small is the best reminder to pray. Hmm. Prayer is how we actively practice believing so simply, so confidently that God is the whole world in his hands. It's where we let petitions and praises shape our worries into prayers, letting God know our concerns. Prayer is never the last resort of God's people, but rather our first point of action. With that in mind, uh, she writes, I've put together a list of 20 prayers to pray During this pandemic, each one addresses the specific needs of a specific community. And so I thought we would just start this hour by reading these, because as we said, somebody said to you and I a couple weeks ago, hey, it's great uh, that you guys talk about prayer and this, but sometimes it'd be great to hear you pray. Uh, And so these are actual prayers, 20 of them, uh, praying very specific things uh, in the midst of this pandemic. So why don't we bounce these back and forth? Why don't you read number one? Yeah, maybe maybe actually instead of reading them, what if we actually just prayed them? What if, yes, what absolutely. If we, let's let's take a turn in this segment rather than Brian and I just simply reading these prayers from a list online. Uh, I'm going to read them still, but I, I want us all to kind of, as we're hearing them, sort of assume a posture of, of prayer. And absolutely. I'm going to read them, but I'm also going to read them as prayers. And so let's let's together, whether you're listening live on the radio or via the podcast or streaming, uh, let's pray these together. Absolutely. First, uh, for, the, for the sick and infected, God, heal and help, sustain bodies and spirits, contain the spread of infection. Mm. Second, for our vulnerable populations, God, protect our elderly and those suffering from chronic disease. Provide for the poor, especially the uninsured. Third, for the young and strong. God, give them the necessary caution to keep them from unwittingly spreading this disease. Inspire them to help. Mm. Number four, for our local, state, and federal governments, God, help our elected officials as they allocate the necessary resources for combating this pandemic. Help them to even provide more tests. Fifth, for our scientific community, leading the charge to understand the disease and communicate its gravity, God, give them knowledge, wisdom, and a persuasive voice. Number six, for the media, committed to providing up-to-date information, God, help them to communicate with appropriate seriousness without causing panic. Hmm. 
Number seven, for consumers of media looking to be well-informed, God, help us find the most helpful local information to equip us to be good neighbors. Keep us from anxiety and panic and enable us to implement the recommended strategies even at a cost to ourselves. Number eight, Lord, for those with mental health challenges who feel isolated, anxious, and helpless, God, provide them every necessary support. Amen. Nine, for the homeless, unable to practice the protocols of social distancing in the shelter system, protect them from disease and provide isolation shelters in every single city. Lord, for international travelers stuck in foreign countries, God, help them return home safely and return home quickly. God, for Christian missionaries throughout the world, especially in areas with high rates of infection, provide them with words of hope and equip them to love and serve those around them. Number 12, for workers, Lord, in a variety of industries facing layoffs and financial hardship. God, keep them from panic and inspire your church to generously support them. Hmm. For families with young children at home for the foreseeable future, God, help mothers and fathers to partner together creatively for the care and flourishing of their children. For single mothers and fathers, grow their networks of support. Next, Lord, for parents who cannot stay home from work but must find care for their children, God, present them with creative solutions. Hmm. Those in need of regular therapies and treatments that must now be postponed, God, help them to stay patient and positive. Number 16, Lord, for business leaders making difficult decisions that affect the lives of their employees, God, give these women and men wisdom and help them to lead sacrificially. Hmm. God, for pastors and church leaders faced with the challenges of social distancing, Father, help them to creatively imagine how to pastor their congregations and to love their cities well. Hmm. Lord, for college and university students whose courses of study are changing, whose placements are canceled, whose graduation is uncertain, God, show them that while life is uncertain, that their trust is in you. Hmm. For Christians in every neighborhood, community, and city, may your Holy Spirit inspire us to pray, to give, to love, to serve, and to proclaim the gospel that the name of Jesus Christ might be glorified around the world. And lastly, Lord, for frontline health care workers, we thank you for their vocational calling to serve. But we also pray that, God, you would keep them safe and healthy keep their families safe and healthy. God, help them to be knowledgeable about the diagnosis and treatment of this disease, as well as the changing protocols. God, help them to stay clear-minded in the midst of the surrounding panic and deliver them from anxiety for their own loved ones. God, give them compassion for every patient in their care. And God, provide for them financially, especially if they fall ill and are unable to work. And lastly, God, would you help Christians in healthcare to exhibit extraordinary peace so that they, so that many would ask about the reason for their hope, give them opportunities 
to proclaim the gospel. And I'll, I'll end with this. God, we trust that you are good and do good. Teach us to be your faithful people in this time of global crisis. Help us to follow in the footsteps of our faithful shepherd, Jesus, who laid down his life for the sake of love. Glorify his name as you equip us with everything needed for doing your will. Amen. Amen. That's uh, out of Christianity Today, Jen, Pollock, uh, Michael. And I would encourage you to keep that handy and pray those often because those prayers, I felt that that was powerful and uh, something that uh, I want to continue to do. So those are 20 prayers that we can pray. And it was our honor and pleasure to pray those with you. We'd encourage you to continue in prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, coming up next, uh, there was an election. There was a primary here in Illinois and some other states yesterday. Uh, We're going to touch on that coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, We're excited for those of you who do that. It does help us out. And if you're looking for old shows, uh, you can also do that streaming online at 1160hope.com. Dot com. I can't encourage you enough. Also, uh, if you ha- if you missed the last segment, to hop on the podcast, go back to the last segment where uh, we had the honor of just praying twenty prayers to pray during a pandemic. Uh, and you and I were talking between segments that it was just a powerful time for us. Like it felt uh, it felt weighty and a privilege to do something like that. Yeah, man, it, it is. Um, it is not lost on either of us what a privilege it even is to do this show during this time. Um, And we've certainly joked in the last year, like before going into topics that we don't know much about, you know, we'll, we'll kind of laugh it off. Like, man, we're way over our skis on this one. Yep. Uh, But in the midst of like what's happening globally right now, there's not a day where we don't turn these mics on. And I don't think Lord, give me words, please give us wisdom in the midst of this chaos because I know that people are looking for it. I'm looking for it. And yes. and not only do we want to like lead and steward this well, but I, I do just want to say how much we appreciate you all and what a, what a privilege. We're really humbled by the opportunity to still be able to do this and to have this platform. And we hope that it's, it's serving you well and ultimately glorifying God in the midst of all of this because, um, yeah, the, the privilege is most certainly not lost on us. Absolutely. That's well put, man. And, and that last article, it did such a good job, not just spurring people to pray, per, spurring us to pray, but also just serving as a reminder that uh, that we are called to pray. And right, that oftentimes right. when things get hectic and crazy, uh, ironically, prayer is not something that we first do, but it kind of goes by the wayside. And so we would encourage you to do that as well. But before we jump into some election talk and uh, how does the coronavirus play in even into this upcoming election? Uh, why don't you tell us about some good words from Thrivent? Yeah, so Thrivent Financial is a, an organization that I've cared about for a long time. And it feels like, especially now with how chaotic everything has been, um, they've been just sort of a beacon of light. Thrivent Financial, they're not only a Fortune 500 not-for-profit, um, but they've also been serving a community for like over, over a century. And they bridge finances and faith better than anyone else that I know. And uh, if you're listening and you've ever wanted to be a part of a team like that, 
or you want to be your own boss, you have kind of an entrepreneurial drive, or you're good with money, or you like coming alongside people, uh, there might be a really great career opportunity for you. So you can just simply go to thrivent.com slash careers. That's thrivent.com slash careers. Or you can just give them a call at 630-598-2128. That's 630-598-2128. And uh, just tell them that I sent you. There you go. So uh, we've said this before many times, but uh, we're believers in Thrivent and uh, would encourage you to connect with them. Well, last night or yesterday, uh, there was uh, an election here in Illinois. So a lot of uh, state and local elections, but we also held the uh, Democratic presidential primary. We were one of three states yesterday and uh, Joe Biden won all three states decisively Uh, And so before getting in, I do want to have a talk about how the coronavirus is even affecting uh, this election and even how we view the election. Do you continue to be surprised? What's the message? There's something in this about how quickly this Democratic primary changed. I don't even know how much you're still following it. But if you are, uh, don't you find this pretty fascinating? Yeah, I think it's I mean, has it always been this fascinating or are we just paying more attention now that we have a radio show? I think I've never seen I not the most political guy in the world, but I don't ever remember something and somebody can correct this if we're wrong. We're just changed on a dime like this. Like this is, uh, it went from like, if he doesn't win South Carolina, he might have to get out of the race to like two, three weeks later, he's, he's got it. And you're just like, how did that happen overnight? Right. I know there's a lot, there's a lot of factors, one of which being the other people getting out, but it, it really is crazy. It's, it's, uh, it's pr- I think it's pretty uh, unprecedented, which using a word we used a couple segments ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think unprecedented is the right word, actually. But, I mean, even just anecdotally, it was sort of nice for the first time in a few days to see my news feed fill up with something other than coronavirus news. Like, yeah, yeah. Just seeing people posting photos with their I voted stickers or outside their polling places. Um, I, I was a little surprised at how many people – like, it was just interesting – that that was sort of a respite. That was a little bit of a break, a little crack in the clouds, at least from what all of us, I imagine, were seeing kind of a constant onslaught of. So it has, yeah, it's definitely been a, a, an interesting, an interesting season. Absolutely. And, and so my question is for you, uh, A, has the coronavirus changed at all how much you care about the election, either decreased it, like, oh, I got other things on my mind, or increased it, like, wow, leadership really matters right now. And I guess I'd also ask, generally speaking, how do you think for our nation, the coronavirus, all that we're going through right now is going to even affect the election? I know we don't know it. We're just guessing. Right. Uh, this might be one area where we're out over our skis, but how do you think it will affect the election overall? Yeah. Uh, two good questions. One, it has, I think all, I think it's elevated for sure. My interest in um, political leadership. Um, again, you know, cards on the table. We've We've often said that uh, I think Jesus is political, maybe mm-hmm. not partisan, but that's, I think the gospel is a political, political statement. I think Jesus is Lord is a political declaration. Um, so like my interest in politics is certainly not higher at all than my interest in like Jesus as King. Um, but I think particularly with the coronavirus, there's some practical things that uh, I imagine it could affect, but it seems like everyone's got healthcare on the mind right now mm-hmm. and healthcare infrastructure and healthcare workers and insurance and coverage. And um, that seems to have been coupled with all, all of what we're talking about in the news. So I, I can't imagine I'm uh, alone in that sentiment. I think that that has become 
in a lot of ways, almost the talking point. And yes. that, that is not necessarily new, but certainly I think at this level or with this level of myopathy almost, like this is the topic of the time. And, uh, and that, that to me is, is really, really important. Yeah, like I rightfully so, I can't see a scenario where really the only thing that matters in the election run up is uh, is the coronavirus. And right. how would which leader do you trust the most to deal with it? And which party do you trust the most? Like it feels like for so many like for years, you know, at least months, we've been talking about this issue and this issue and this issue. And now it's like all of them kind of feel like they go by the wayside. And it's like, okay, in this time of craziness, who do you trust? Yeah, right. Uh, who do you think can do it? And I think uh, that's even if this uh, gets kind of settled in the late spring, early summer, I don't know how that's not just the only run-up. I'd say for me, politically, uh, it has kind of crystallized for me that question. Uh, who do I trust the most? Which party, you know, both on the presidential side, but also, you know, senators and congressmen and women, who do I trust the most? But on the, at the same time, I continue to be so disturbed by the politicalization of this on Twitter, on Facebook, on TV, of people using the coronavirus. It still feels like to score political points one way or the other. And I shouldn't be surprised by that. But man, if you're out there doing that, please stop. Hmm. Like, it doesn't need to be, not every post needs to be uh, a reflection upon the other party or your party. And it, sometimes it is, but man, I wish that we had the ability as a culture not to politicize this at, at every turn. Right. And that I, I think is, um, that's an evergreen topic for sure. Yep. This is the thing on everyone's minds right now. The The thing that's hard to thread is, you know, if we want to make improvements, some things have to be political. So, I mean, I imagine, sure. you know, what seems like obviously politicized to you might to somebody else feel completely appropriate. Like how do you That's navigate right. that? You know, it's, it's sort of, it's as diverse as political opinions are themselves. How do I know that I've made it too political or that I'm putting too much stock in government or legislation? To me, that's a really important conversation, but a, definitely yeah. a messy one. Yep. Yep. So uh, we would love your thoughts on this. You can go to our Facebook page and uh, there you can weigh in, you can have your thoughts and uh, we would love to hear from you. Well, uh, when we come back next, we're going to talk about an article out of the Religion News, uh, the problem of social distancing for people who already do that too much. Coming up next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you joining us on this Wednesday evening. And uh, as we've been saying over and over again, it's a really different time trying to figure all this out. It's a very different time, uh, but we are uh, trying to process it together, give you things to think about, pray with you, give you things to pray about, some encouragement, uh, some warnings. And uh, if you're out there listening, could we? Uh, one thing I just want to continue to encourage you is the call to social distancing, or as Ian called it earlier, physical distancing, especially with your kids and other kids please keep doing that. Like uh, it is so discouraging to see people online kind of like, I don't know, we're not go We're going to go about life as normal. And I thankfully see less and less people doing that. Hmm. Uh, but we're all in this together and uh, let's continue to, um, to be uh, cautious in this and continue to heed the warning. So uh, that's my public service announcement. 
you can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show, Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find us online at 1160hope.com. And as always, you can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Well, an interesting article, one I hadn't thought of, at the Religion News, and it's written more towards women, but I think it, it can go for everybody, but it was entitled this, The Problem of Social Distancing for Women Who Already Do too much. What are what's going on in this article, man? Well, and she says here in the middle of it in particular, I'll start with this. She says, I'm focusing on women because we, as a, a female writer, are statistically much more likely to develop clinical depression than men. According to research from Harvard Medical School, it's by a factor of nearly two to one, wow. which is an enormous gender gap. So that's kind of why she's focusing that way specifically. But I think you're right. I think this is a good word for all of us. She said, yesterday on Facebook, I saw a young mom's plan for handling these next weeks or longer when her three kids are home from school because of the coronavirus. She already has a color-coded chart for homeschooling them, despite the fact that their school system is still scrambling to develop cohesive instructions to parents. She wants them to not just keep up with the curriculum, but to exceed it. She's also got a plan for home prayer and scripture study since they can't go to church. To top it all off, she has outlawed any kind of complaining about the above measures. She's on it. She is a boss. Also, she is setting some pretty impossible standards that make other women feel inadequate and depressed. That's mm-hmm. not her fault. She is the sort of energetic and chin-up kind of person who was custom-built for such a time as this. More power to her. But I worry about the mental health of women who don't meet these standards, women whose emotional lives are on a knife's edge as it is. Some of us are barely holding it together with any or all of the following, raising kids, working, tending to aging parents, cooking and keeping the house, and practicing self-care. Now factor in these unknowns, raising kids when you suddenly find yourself also responsible for their education for an indefinite period of time with no training and little guidance on how to be a teacher. And there is never a break from these children because none of you can leave home. Working when you either Mm. need to learn how to work from home if you're fortunate enough to have a company that lets you do that and you can undertake it while also homeschooling any aforementioned children or learn to live without your income when uh, when the world you knew was crashing around you. And she talks about tending to aging parents and cooking and keeping house and practicing self-care. She said, I can hear the, na- the naysayers now with their boo-hoo dismissals because American women can't go to yoga class. And to a certain extent, they're right. Americans have been so spoiled for so long that we are bound to overreact to even the smallest of disruptions coming simultaneously out of the blue. However, all of these major life challenges together are poised to wreak havoc on some women's mental health. And she talks about why she's focusing on women specifically She says, whether this is because women really suffer from depression at significantly higher rates or because women are more likely than men to seek treatment is still unclear. In any case, it's fair to say that many women are at risk for depression, even in their best of times, and the uncharted territory we're now entering is not going to be the best of times. It's time to buckle up and don the crash helmet. And that, to me, written from the perspective of a woman is, I think, just incredibly helpful. And Mm -hmm. reading this now for the second time is... uh, is good insight at the very least. And I know not everyone listening will be, you know, in a similar life stage where any of this applies, but it's, it's not only practical and insightful, but it's also really raw, just kind of peeking behind the curtain about the other, maybe less obvious difficulties of this season we're in. And uh, I I think that uh, I I applaud her for her vulnerability. Absolutely. I got to be honest. Uh, and when you and I talk about mental health issues and stuff like that, oftentimes I'll, I'll admit not really grasping or that not being my first thought. Uh, I hadn't given much thought to the uh, people who struggle, you know, with depression or anxiety 
or whatever else it might be in the midst of this kind of uh, social distancing and being kind of at home with your kids or your family uh, and and the strain that can be. Uh, I hadn't given that uh, much thought. And uh, what she writes here is really good because there's that whole comparison thing like that's going on on Facebook right now. You open it up and, you know, you see these tends to be moms who have these uh, perfect calendars set up and our kids are doing this at this time and this and this time. And I'm, I'm always wanting to write back like we're just trying not to kill each other over here. <laughs> we're just trying. Uh, but also. Uh, just people who are out of their normal rhythms. Like we know people who struggle with things like depression and anxiety. It's when you get out of your normal rhythms that real problems can occur. Hmm. Um, and now we're all out of our normal rhythms. And so I guess I would ask you this, uh, what can we do? What's a word that we could speak to people who might fall under this umbrella where this social distancing and the change of the norm uh, is really kind of throwing them uh, for a big loop here? I think the thing that articles like this always remind me of is how important it is for us to be patient with one another. Like, you know, in our staff team, or I don't know if you've ever had like a family member, you know, convey to you, uh, confide in you that they've been struggling with their own bouts of depression right. or anxiety. There's almost always the sense of, oh my goodness, I had no idea. And if statistics are even remotely true, it means that a whole lot more people are struggling with things like this than we even realize, which means the person that you just snapped at or that really terse email that you sent, or I'm not saying we don't still need to get stuff done or hold people accountable, but stories like this, vulnerability like this always reminds me, gosh, we are all fighting battles that maybe no one else knows anything about. Be kind with one another. Be patient with one another. The tendency is to jump right to react or overreact. And we've talked about this in previous weeks. We're in such a moment right now where like, it seems like what's most applauded is the hot take or the mic drop or the, even some of that stuff can can be a lot less kind than what I think is necessary, especially right now. And I think it was Samuel Johnson. He said, kindness is in our power. Even when fondness is not, doesn't Mm. mean that every person needs to be your favorite person, best friend, go on vacation together, but we can still be kind. And I think as we're experiencing the effects of this social distancing, this physical distancing, you know, coupled with all the unknown, coupled with kids and expectations, coupled with life just being hard. I don't know, man. I I read stuff like this. I applaud her for her vulnerability. I think more people uh, should follow suit, uh, probably us even included, to be honest, and to be mindful uh, to choose kindness first. Because that kind word or that kind thought or that kind message might have far greater impact than any of us realize, especially during these anxious times. Absolutely. And I think that's a a good way to put it. There's such anxious times. And some of us, you know, we, you know, it causes anxiety. Others of us, it's it's debilitating. Right. And uh, I think, one, we can add that to our prayer list, that prayer list we started earlier. Uh, we can add that to our prayer list. But I think as the church, we talk about how can we be the church uh, in the midst of this time. I would say, uh, think about who are the people that you might know you're in your small group, in your close circle, who might be most adversely, adversely affected uh, during this time uh, of, of great change. And I would suggest, you take, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe reach out to them. How are you doing? How can I help? How can I be praying for you? How, you know, just checking up. That feels like 
uh, kind of at a base level, something we can be doing. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. I think being preemptive is important. You know, there, there is a, a lot of honor in someone confiding in you. Um, but I think a lot of us could probably even preempt the, that conversation and, and maybe not just assuming everyone's falling apart, but just checking in, just letting people know, Hey, I'm a lifeline. If you need it, I'm praying for you. I care about you. You came to mind. Like even if as we're talking, a name or two came to mind, yeah. just stop what you're doing. Send them a text message, shoot them an email, make a phone call. Um, I don't think that those nudges are accidental. I think God really does like place the names and faces of people that, that need a word. And I think uh, it's an easy thing to overlook, but it's also an easy thing for us to just simply be obedient in. That's right. That's right. So go ahead and do that. Let us spur you on to that. Well, uh, this is going to feel like a huge right turn, but we still do feel like we need some laughs. And so we're going to end our show the way we normally do with interweb insanity, craziness from the internet. That's going to come up next as we close out the common good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of peaked with regards to what kind of organization this was. And it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to, to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. That music can only mean one thing. Uh, It's how we end our show every day. Uh, Crazy stories that our producers, either John or Keith, have found on the internet. We've not read them, so we are uh, laughing with you. We are surprised by it with you. You might be like, hey, isn't there a lot going on in the world? Why are we still doing that? Because you know what? We've talked about a lot of heavy things and we want to give you some laughs, some levity. Uh, we think that's still important. So we're going to work our way through these. Ian, why don't you go first? Why don't I go first, Brian? Before I do, though, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Krabby Boil. They, it's on, I mentioned this earlier, I think the best seafood I've ever had. They're in Batavia. Uh, it's local. They're a part of our church family, and uh, they're offering these drive-through options uh, because of all of what's going on in the world. And uh, I honestly, I cannot encourage you enough. You can go to crabbyboil.com. They're over there at two two zero Randall Road in Batavia, Illinois. Uh, they're keeping their regular hours, uh, so they're closed on Mondays, but everything else is firing away. And uh, you will not regret it. They are incredible people with an incredible mission. Care about the community give back and it really is just some of the best seafood i've ever had all right now i'm ready for some interweb insanity let's uh, do it starting in ohio police nationwide ask criminals to halt activity during coronavirus outbreak didn't we already do this one we did at least something just like it yesterday yep hmm was that not out of, out, out of ohio police in ohio wisconsin <laughs> kentucky utah and washington have called on criminals to take a break to allow officers to respond to coronavirus related issues the salt lake city police department for example 
requested in a post on Facebook last week that all criminal activities, nefarious behavior to cease until further notice. We appreciate your anticipated cooperation in halting crimes and thank criminals in advance, the department said. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Next one's out of the state of Washington, and you've just got to see this picture. This one's too good. Woman discovers bar of soap she's been washing her hands with for days is a block of cheese. (laughs) A woman in the U.S. has become the laughing stock of the Internet after revealing she has spent the past few days mistakenly washing her hands with a block of cheese rather than a bar of soap. Miley from Vancouver, Washington, thought she was doing her bit to stop the spread of the coronavirus by thoroughly washing her hands with a bar of soap. Unfortunately, she insisted she instead succeeded in spreading some rather mature looking cheddar on her hands over the course of several days. Sharing her story on Reddit, Miley explained how the cheese ended up being mistaken for a bit of soap after it was left out of the fridge following a drunken late night snack. Cheese, it's good. See, that's that's why we still do segments like this. That felt good, <laughs> that felt good to awesome. laugh just a little bit, man. My, yeah. you do need to go and see this photo. All right, out of London, facial recognition, artists trying to fool cameras. A group of artists called the Dazzle Club, I played, <laughs> I played bass in Dazzle Club, <laughs> paint, paint their faces for monthly walks to protest against surveillance in London. Facial recognition cameras were rolled out by the Metropolitan Police for the first time in early 2020 and have been trialed in other places around the UK. The Met said it would not comment on whether the makeup technique works, but said the facial recognition technology was helping officers track down wanted suspects. Art is a lie. Nothing is real. Oh, we're back to Florida. Man arrested for impersonating an officer just days after going to jail for the same crime. Oh, gosh. A man in Flagler County was arrested for impersonating an officer just two days after going to jail for the same thing. Following this, law enforcement went on to speak. Oh, wait. The Flagler County Sheriff's Office said that Leroy Stodelmeyer was arrested on March 9th for impersonating an officer and shoplifting. Following this, law enforcement went on to speak with several toll bridge attendants uh, who had previous encounters with Stodelmeyer. They said he often would try to flash a badge to try to avoid the $2 bridge toll. During the last encounter on the toll bridge, they said that the attendant presented Stodemeyer with an article about his arrest on March 9th for impersonating an officer. Stodemeyer then put away his badge and paid the toll. Are you some kind of moron? All right, let's end on a high note, shall we? Let's do it. You ready? It's out of Ohio. A generous customer leaves $2,500 tip to help restaurant staff facing income loss during coronavirus shutdown. In a time of intense crisis, acts of kindness can truly make a difference. A generous customer decided to leave a huge tip to an Ohio restaurant staff Sunday night moments before it was set to close indefinitely as a part of the exposure to the coronavirus. Uh, the loyal, amazing patron left a whopping $2,500 gratuity on a $29 tab at Coach's Bar and Grill in Columbus to help lighten the losses during the required closing, the restaurant said in a tweet featuring the photo of the check. When the going gets tough, the tough stay loyal, Coach's staff wrote. Lucky. Well, that's a nice one to end with. That's an encouraging one to end with. Better than the bar of soap that was actually cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Although that one made me laugh a lot, though, and I'm grateful for the laugh. I am, too. Man, it was good to be with you today. And uh, if you hear anything today, uh, be reminded of that call to pray. I know that that's going to be something that sticks with me today. And we're all in this together. Ian and I will be back with you tomorrow from 4 to 6. For Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good. Oh,